Hi, I'm Narelle Mancuso, President and CEO of Social House Inc. And what I love about beauty is that it's becoming more and more inclusive every day while providing limitless possibilities. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Beauty Is Your Business. I am Jessica Quick, and I am joined by my co-host. Normally, she's sitting next to me, but today she's joining us from Italy. Hey, Denise. Hi, and hi, Norelle. Yep, I'm back again in Italy at Cosmoprof. It's been day one, so it's been a rather exciting and busy day. It's been great. Yeah, what are some of the things you're seeing? I know we'll get a full recap and we'll do a show on Cosmoprof, but tell us a little bit about the energy. What are you seeing? How are people at Cosmoprof 2023? Well, similar to last year, people are just glad to be back. And I will tell you, the buses, if it's any indication the attendance by the buses going to and from. The buses are packed. The floor is packed. People seem energetic to look at new opportunities and new innovation. And innovation is kind of coming about in a different way. Packaging, ingredients, claims is something that people are really talking about. What are some of the claims that people are making about their brands and how are they substantiating it? Well, I love that you're there on the ground and that we're going to get a firsthand experience of Cosmoprof. The great news is obviously not being there, that we still get to be connected via all the ways technology connects us today. So I feel like I'm still peeping in through social, through their website, through different people and what they're posting. And I think this is such a great dovetail into who our guest is today and what we are going to be buzzing about, which today's episode, we are buzzing about online strategy, social, and the role of social in today's world in 2023, and how we engage our customers digitally. And so I'm really excited to spend some time with Norel, the CEO and president of Social House. Norel, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we've known each other, gosh, a long time. I feel like it's been at least eight, 10 years now, and I love what you've done with Social House. So for our listeners, will you walk us through really what started you in really opening and developing Social House, and then walk us through what Social House is doing today to service the beauty industry. Of course. Social House has been around for about 12 years now, actually. And when we started, MySpace was still a thing. (laughs) Can you believe that? I mean, we've really come a long way since and continued to evolve and innovate in this space. So when I started, I was a, a team member at a big beauty brand in New York, And before that, I was with a German beauty brand here on the West Coast. And what I found was that there was just this lack of connection with people that were doing this thing called MySpace and Facebook, and they they had no idea what it was. So there was really what I saw in my mind was the opportunity to create a strategic bridge of communication between their consumers and their messaging. And from that, we developed a approach to the world of social media and the ways that brands could communicate. And that was called our tri-vision approach. And that has developed over the years. So what Social House is really is we're a digital growth agency. And our whole mission as a company is to fuel digital growth through innovative storytelling, 
And that comes out through the areas of strategy, content, and paid media placement or media buying. This could not be more timely. So one of my appointments around noon or one o'clock today, one of the whole entire conversations was around digital and a lot of the changes and how digital has been changing and is continued to change and evolve. So I'm really curious because growth is on everyone's mind, growth in revenue, growth in followers. And the way you've described your company and what you do is a digital growth company. Can we take that a step further and ask, you know, how do you grow companies and get a little granular with that? Yes. So when we're looking at, like, let's say the beauty industry, which is what we're all here for today, is talking about the beauty industry. We know how saturated our markets are. We know that the the space in social, specifically in social, is incredibly saturated with brands, brands that have been early adopters to the space. And then you have new independent brands coming to the forefront. So one of the biggest challenges that I think is happening is that there are only so many, everybody's fighting for share of feed. That's the biggest challenge. Everybody's fighting for share of feed. So how do you stand out? I think that's one of the biggest questions that we as digital marketers need to answer. And, you know, for us, really, it comes back to that tri-vision approach, which is what I was talking about, which is strategy, content, paid media. You cannot have those be mutually exclusive entities of your marketing strategy. They need to correlate and you know work together to bring things to life. So what I mean by that is as a brand trying to stand out in today's world, trying to reach certain KPIs, really think about the platforms that you're on. Do you need to be on all of them? Probably not. What you need to think about is where are your greatest wins? And if that means you're only on TikTok and Pinterest, that's okay. You don't need to compete in every single space right away. But what you need to do is make sure that you're able to hone in on your audience and understand who they are. Audience profiling is the single most important part of any strategy for any kind of industry or brand, not just beauty. Understanding audiences through audience profiling is step one in any strategy. So, and let me explain why. Why that's so important is that if you don't understand who your audience is, it's more than just like, who do I create content for? It's how do you figure out who you're going to target in paid media advertising? How are you going to segment audiences appropriately with keywords to understand how to reach them or create a media plan that's going to be effective? So vital to understand audiences and to, to think about what is motivating them. And that's not a, an exercise that is just a one size fits all. That's an evolving exercise because your audience's interests are always changing. That's an interesting point I'd like to talk a little bit about because we find the same on our side with clients we work with and the brands that we work with is you do this audience evaluation, if you will, and you really start to think about who it is that you're targeting online. But how do you keep up with the evolution? Are you doing that weekly? Are you doing it monthly? Is it quarterly? How do we as brands think about how often we're engaging? And because there's so much data now and there's so much coming in at you, how do you stay on top of it? I think one of the things that I always like to say with, with my team is that we need to remember that data are humans too. When we look at data, they're not just numbers. Those are human interactions. So really thinking about not just the numbers, but the psychological influences behind those and then mapping those to things that are happening on a qual or qualitative level culturally are things that we should be matching up and seeing. So for example, if there's a spike 
in sun care, I'm giving you a very layman's term example. There's a spike in sun care in your data. You're seeing that your sun care products are suddenly spiking. And then you're seeing that there is a new TikTok trend about sun care or something like that. You're seeing that there's culturally conversations happening that are spiking that. So staying on top of the qualitative and quantitative trends that are happening, both in data and in culture, are basically, I would say, base level knowledge that any marketer should be looking at daily. What's happening in the world and how does your data match that? And if there's inconsistencies, then you need to understand why too, and take a step back and see why aren't those matching up? Where Where is something over-indexing that I should know about? So it's a game of research and study and analysis, really. So we have to talk TikTok again. <laughs> I'm in Italy and everybody's talking about you know, how to get the brand to stand out and do we do TikTok? Do we not do TikTok? I didn't even think that that was still going on, but it is. <laughs> they are really questioning, you know, should we be on TikTok and how do we go on TikTok and still stay congruent with our brand? Because I think that that is what some people are struggling with is their brand has, you know, some type of look or feel or dynamic to it. And then how do they go on TikTok and appeal to that viewer while still staying true to their brand? That's what I heard today. That's my favorite question. I love this question. And I think that one thing I want you to know is that times are changing. We're not in this millennial mindset of everything's super curated and glossy and pre-recorded, that type of thing. Although TikToks are pre-recorded too. Don't let anybody fool you. But there is this, this essence and this desire for younger generations like Gen Z and younger millennials to consume content that feels more real more human, more spur of the moment and less glossy and curated. We grew up, of course, like obviously understanding the love that we have for Instagram with like the more curated beauty kind of focused things. And beauty brands really adopted to Instagram so beautifully. I still have yet to see that happening in TikTok. And we're pushing our clients to really go towards that in TikTok. But what it is, it's brands are not human, okay? Humans are humans. So we need to make sure that on TikTok, we're thinking about that. The content that performs best on TikTok is the one that's done by people about a brand and not necessarily the brand just showing content or showing their products. That doesn't work in TikTok. TikTok is an entertainment platform. It's not a social media network. That's something that we need to remember. Just like Pinterest is a search engine, it's not a social media network. It's a search engine. And so we need to think about those things accordingly and then classify content for those specific platforms. That in itself is such a huge nugget for me um, because it's so true to be able to define these different platforms in order to be able to correctly create that strategy and the content. Because in today's world, right, the marketing budgets right now, they're primarily going towards this social platform, online media. But yet they're not being as thoughtful as what is Pinterest and what's the content that should be on there and what's the audience there, what's on TikTok and what's that content. And you're spending so much money creating content that you want to make sure you're doing it well. So I love this piece of advice of thinking about each one and how to think about that content and who's really absorbing it and for what purpose. Is it entertainment? Is it search? Is it information? Because obviously we can broaden then from there and say, once we start looking at marketplaces like Amazon and Violet Gray, all these different platforms now, we can start to really understand 
as a brand, how to leverage correctly. And that's where the online strategy and what you guys do from the very beginning makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't see brands on social. We don't launch brands in social to act as brands on social. We launch brands into the social and digital space to act as almost an editorial an editorial reel, essentially. So what we do is we create content from more of like an editorial calendar perspective. And then we seed that content out. We breadcrumb that back to their website to drive that traffic. And, you know, just kind of circling back on what you were saying about Pinterest. I am such a fan of Pinterest. I am not paid by Pinterest to say any of this to you guys. I just actually love the platform, okay? And I think that one of the things that's really interesting about Pinterest is that people go there to curate their next purchase. So like when you're defining platforms, Jessica, to your point, and you're thinking about each platform, just know that every platform has a design purpose. Some of them are for follower growth that you can gain followers, especially when they're newer, maybe like a TikTok. You can gain awareness on TikTok. Meta platforms, less than 4% of your audience that you have currently will ever see the content that you are organically posting. So if you're sinking hundreds of thousands of dollars into earned kind of original content, I should say, you're, you're wasting your money if you're not utilizing a part of that spend to promote it in paid because they have dialed that in so closely. You have to pay to play. And I hate saying that, but it's true. So it's important to have a paid media spend and a content production spend built out in your budgets prior to going live with any plans there. And at Social House, we always say, listen, strategy first, content second. You can't just create content and expect that. That's not a strategy. Creating content's not a strategy. So there's a lot more that goes into it. It's really putting the, the cart ahead of the horse if you do it that way. And it's not just about doing it. It's about having a strategy to do it. Because I think that when you talk to people, you know, everybody says, oh, yes, we're on Instagram or we're on Pinterest or we're on TikTok. And they'll give you, well, it's working. It's not working. We don't know if it's working. But to your point, really having purposeful strategy behind each of these is absolutely key. You did touch on the budget side of things, which is where everybody's head goes next is, I understand I need a strategy. I understand I need to do content, but in looking at my budget, I'm having to slice it thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner between all of these platforms and now paid. So how do you sit down with a brand and talk about preparing them and preparing their budgets for going onto these platforms? Do you go when you've got a limited budget, do you go narrow and deep into one or two platforms? Do you try to spread it out and then test and learn? What do you think works? The concept of audience dilution is a real thing. So what I mean by that is that when you have razor thin marketing budgets, you don't want to dilute your spend to where your paid dollars are, are not effective. So you need to go where you know that there's going to be clear wins in accordance with your KPIs and objectives that you have set forth as a brand. Those need to come from you. You know, your agency is going to be able to advise at the end of the day, what is most important to you as a brand and a company that you want to achieve from there? Once you have goals, then I would start to figure out which platforms make the most sense because there's certain platforms and even certain platform native features that are designed to reach certain KPIs over others. I mean, it, just looking at Instagram alone, there's in feed, there's stories, there's lives, there's now a thing called channels. 
there's so many different features that you can be, you know, utilizing and advertising on and optimizing. So it's really about figuring out what that is first. And I think that with budgets that are larger, you need to think about how to get more creative because there's a lot of companies out there that have large budgets that are throwing money around, but how can you be more creative to target people where you haven't yet? You need to look even in, we've gotten a lot of requests for media placement in out of home billboards, looking out into the world. People are traveling now, travel industry is booming. What can we be doing in key spots that are catching people where they weren't during the pandemic? So it's thinking creatively, podcast advertising, hello? That's another big one that we're looking at. So lots of interesting and new emerging places to advertise as a larger brand as well. With your expertise, Norel, and thinking about that shift, like you've got an online presence you've been building, you've been investing in, you're feeling good about that. And now you're seeing this opportunity in out of home. How and when is the right time to start to transition or to start to think about finding the right partner to help you go out of home? And then what are some of those early things you should be thinking about for out of home as you move from digital back into the real world? The thing is, is that digital and the real world are so interconnected now. It's a really beautiful space, but you have to think again, back to that word strategy, is that when you are creating content and you're doing it on a month by month basis, let's say, and you're like, okay, today we're going to post about National Donut Day, and then we're going to post about, that's when you know that it's time to maybe make a shift towards more campaign thematics that roll out quarterly. So what that means is that you have big strategic kind of milestones that are happening. So say one season you're talking about X, Y, and Z, and the next season you're talking about this. What you do with each of those quarters is you're extrapolating more of an omni approach to the way that you're advertising around a centralized campaign thematic. So the stuff that's on the billboards, the stuff that's on the taxi cabs, the stuff that's on Uber wraps, whatever it is matches what's happening on the social space, matches what's happening in your newsletters, matches what's happening on your website. And that synergy is what makes your brand jump to that next level because you're not diluting your messages. You have a cohesive message. So get out of this mindset of, hey, listen, I need to just be creating one-off kind of posts here. And this week, we're going to post about National Sock Day and forget all that. That's old. You need to be thinking more in like larger scale campaign thematics. And if you can't afford out of home, think about that and apply that to your digital world as well. So let's say I'm a brand and I want to take advantage of all these things that you're talking about. Who is kind of the ideal brand that when you think, boy, I'd love to, I'd love to get my hands on that brand. What kind of brand do you really love to attract and have come to you? Oh my gosh. There's so many, and I'm so, so in love with the beauty industry and everybody that's in it. Really, it's brands that want to bring innovation. One of our criteria as a company, as, a, as an agency, is we want to work with people that truly believe in their product. I don't know if you've ever like talked to brands and they're just like, oh yeah, our product's okay. It's like, no, we want you to love your product. But what we look for are brands that are future thinking. We look for brands that are driven by innovation we look for brands that are looking to share a message. And also, I think the other thing is brands that have a strong idea or identity on who they are, you know, and if they don't know, we can help with that. But I think that, you know, we collectively can help with that, right? But I think that there's a certain identity factor that brands, a lot of brands have identity crises and they need to understand who they are. 
And that helps us as a creative and strategic agency understand how to best support them and how to really drive that message home to consumers and turn on that fire hose of information to audiences. Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea of, okay, so this brand is sitting there, they maybe realize that they're not as clear as they want to be about who they are and what they stand for. And then of course that then, what does that message look like for their audience? Walk us through a little bit of what do those early days look like getting started? It's okay if they come to you and they're, look, we've got, we know we're a bit of a, maybe a Frankenstein at this point. Maybe we've been around for a few years and we've pieced this together and pieced that together. And now we're a little bit of a big old mess. How do they come to you and how do you start working with them to start to clear the path of getting them to the right spot to then really elevate a bigger message? Yeah. So my team's really good at this. And there are a lot of brands that come to us who have kind of either launched in social and have a hundred different things all over the place, or they're not quite sure of their positioning or who they are. They're working on their way of communicating with audiences, their tone, their voice, et cetera. What, what, what they do is when they go into a brand, they take a step back and they ask them to take a deep breath with them. Let's take a deep breath together because the good news is that this is not rocket science, right? We just need to take a step back. And a lot of times people come to Social House because they want a fresh pair of eyes to wipe the slate clean and figure out what pieces we can put back together and what needs to be redone. You know, I think that it's it's about kind of thinking about your outcome is always determined by your approach. So if your outcome that you're experiencing is not necessarily what you want in social, say it's gotten stale, say it's a little bit slow, say it doesn't quite look or feel the way you want it to, your approach was wrong. So you need to take a step back and really truly identify what that vision is. And that's what we help brands do. That is a very special point of view. So I appreciate you sharing that. When is there a time to just get scrappy? Brands have gotten out there and they've done some very scrappy things, some very innovative, creative things. When is it time to also pick up from the strategy or is it part of the strategy and get scrappy? Now, when you say scrappy, are you talking in terms of budget or just ideas like getting out there or maybe a little bit of both? What are your thoughts? I think it's a little bit of both. When brands are looking to expand into additional platforms or have additional content and they are running razor thin on budgets, is there an opportunity to get scrappy and do things a little bit on strategy for sure, but maybe making the most out of the budget that they have? Let's talk about a little company called Duolingo. You heard of them? <laughs> Out of market. Little company. Little company. Well, you know what's interesting is that Duolingo, what they did was scrappy. They had this mascot, this costume probably sitting in their office. And they had somebody on their team that was younger and just excited, a social media manager that was excited to come up with an idea. I think what, what brands need to do to get scrappy is to get out of their own way. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it especially on specific platforms like TikTok. Don't overthink it. Make it, again, back to that word, entertainment. So getting scrappy on new platforms is something that I think you can do. On some of the older platforms like Meta and Facebook, I don't feel like that's the place for scrappiness necessarily. Some may disagree with that, but really on TikTok is the, the disruptor place where I think anything goes. You know, I mean, I've seen insurance companies have really funny TikToks. And what is that doing for recruitment? 
that's probably letting younger people know that they're a great company to work for who has a personality and, and is exciting to be working for. So I think being scrappy is one part not overthinking it, one part looking at what's happening culturally and seeing how you can tap into it. And the third part is assessing, does this make sense for our brand? Is our brand this kind of brand? Sometimes the answer is no, and that's okay. But I think it's just talking through things and figuring out what works best for you. So I want to pivot a little bit. We've been having conversations recently about where social's headed as we've all seen this shift over the last couple of years, really, and influencers where we put a lot of money into influencers and that has shifted. What customers are looking for. I was on a great call with Amazon talking about Amazon strategy and they even called out, look, if you can find the person that organically talks about your product, it's authentic to who they are, you're going to get a lot more return. And I think this is one of those big moments for Denise and I as we talk through, how do we start to think about social in 2023? How do we start to think about what these emerging trends are? And I'm curious what your insights are what you're seeing for beauty companies heading into their 2023 year, what are the trends? What should they be looking at? And what are some things that are up and coming that might be a place that either they can be more scrappy or they can invest more dollars because they're seeing those returns like we used to see with digital ads you know, previously or influencers that we know just aren't there today? Yeah. The influencer world is is an interesting place and we work with so many of them. And I will tell you this much, that industry has slowed down this year, specifically in 2023, but it's not gone. So let me explain. It's the, it's the reemergence of UGC style content. I've seen that and that is definitely something that we're tracking and has been performing incredibly well. So what I mean by that is influencers that are the nano and the micro influencers, basically 10K or less, we're utilizing them to create UGC content, style content that we then put in ads. And why is because that is the content that's converting. It's not necessarily the macro relationships anymore where it's like somebody talks about something and then it gets lost in the feed and nobody sees it. It's really about how can we utilize human beings to talk about our content in a real and authentic way and then repurpose that content, not only in our organic feeds, but also through paid media. And it's that content that is talking. Well, it's like kind of like how I told you earlier that I bought something, this mic, it was because it was an influencer, UGC person. I had no idea who the person was, but they were showing me what it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, I must buy that immediately. And they got me and, you know, Instagram gets you a lot. So, you know, it's utilizing those human beings to create that. That is definitely the shift. So reduce the spend on the macros, invest in the nano and the, and the micro influencers, and utilize your budget to create a multitude of content rights with them, not just for organic anymore. It's really about figuring out how to do a 360. Another thing that I've seen is this more, especially amongst younger audiences, is the world of really kind of very peer-to-peer based social. So be real, 
be real is a huge thing amongst Gen Z's, especially younger Gen Z's. And I think that there's also, you know, a specific kind of shift as it relates to social in general and Gen Z, to be honest. I think a lot of them are looking into new places. Like there's Roblox, if you're looking at a younger demo, there's all different types of things happening in the metasphere, although it's not fully developed yet. You know, so as I think about social for the next year, really what I think is that social is under a lot of pressure right now. It's evolving into, it's, it's it's becoming a new thing. It's like becoming pressurized. And what will come from that is a new diamond that we all tap into. But I think that with the governmental pressures on TikTok, the things that are happening there, who knows what's going to happen with TikTok, right? There's going to be an emergence of a new platform. Whether that's something that Meta creates or something totally new, there's going to be something new there. It's a really interesting space right now. But I will say, ultimately, is that human beings are still moving the needle as far as social. Look at those new native features that are going to be launching. There's going to be some new things happening as well. And also, lastly, the thing on Instagram that I'm seeing that I just saw today, actually, was all about channels. And if you don't know what channels are, it's essentially... Imagine like a way for creators to communicate with their subscribers on Instagram. And so it's like you subscribe to a channel, kind of like OnlyFans, but not kind of creepy in a way. Not that all OnlyFans, there's like chefs and other things on OnlyFans. No hate on OnlyFans, okay? But, but you know, there's like this underbelly of that, that platform. But essentially, it's like channels is the OnlyFans of Instagram. So it's kind of interesting. So there's just a lot of, of nuances happening and... There's so much happening. I'm not sure how to quite pinpoint that answer to one sentence, but just get ready. There's going to be a new platform and be ready when that launches. And when you say be ready, is that with your budgets and keeping a little bit of reserve on the side? Is that keeping an open mind to what this could be and trying to listen and kind of foresee it coming? Resources, not only capital, finance, financial capital, but resources as in staffing. Because there's going to need to be people that are figuring out how to get that to work, whether that's an agency you're utilizing or an in-house staff, make sure that you have some time ready. I would say by the end of 2023 into early 2024, there will be an emergence of a new platform that we should be aware of. So it's about all I can say at this point. And I have to imagine there's also an element of like, be ready to take risks, right? This isn't a safe space of doing the same old thing. So if there is something new coming and you've got a little bit of resources to the side, it's also being willing to say, we don't know what we're doing with it. We're going to go try these six different things and see what sticks and what people are responding to and what's going to be based on the earlier conversation we had, what it will eventually evolve to be the strategy for that platform. But you're going to have to just get out and start doing it. It sounds like for some of these. Absolutely. And that's okay in those spaces, you know, like you have to be able to experiment. And I understand that I always say strategy first, content second. I still think that you can have a go-to strategy for an emerging platform. And I think a, a strategy is also can be experimentation. It can be trial and error strategy because you don't know. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. A strategy is a hypothesis. It's not a definitive so when you're thinking about the hypothesis of what's going to perform, you have to test and learn. And that strategy then evolves. So we are in a constantly evolving state. And, you know, then there's AI and all these other things that I could talk to you about for probably 10 years. But there's there's a lot of things happening in that space as well. 
Well, these are all topics we definitely want to dive into more. I mean, I feel like we just touched the iceberg of what's potentially there and where brands can really leverage and and um, lean into expertise like yourself. So we look forward to having another show with you and really understanding this space even better for the beauty industry. If any of our listeners today want to get a hold of you, Norel, is there a way in which they can do that? Of course. Yeah, I'm available on LinkedIn. Just Norel Mancuso is my username. And also check us out at socialhouseinc.com. And if you want to get in touch, just reach out in the contact page and somebody will get right back to you. So thank you both so much. This was really amazing. And you guys are doing such an amazing, amazing thing here. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And if you want to keep buzzing with us, head on over to buzzbeauty.com. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Listening.